in the top ten. Give me a list of names. I'm a top them. I'm just playing with you. I don't care what the top is. Leave me at the bottom. World's greatest leaders. This is one more, one new episode of the world's greatest leaders podcast. And today's world's greatest leader, I have uh, Ryan. Uh, he was he was a he was one of my instructors at at the 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 basic leader course that I went here in Germany, and uh, I hit him up, asked if he wanted to come on the show, and he he was happy to come on. Uh, so Ryan, thanks for coming on the show, and how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing outstanding. Uh, living this uh, COVID lifestyle, I guess. Uh, if anybody's uh, wondering, we are six feet apart. But um, typically, in every every show, we're just gonna start with uh, with uh, old Gunnet. I'm gonna hit you with some questions and. Uh, we're, we'll kind of like a warm up to, to, to the show. All right. Uh, you ready? Yeah. Shoot. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, biggest pet peeve, uh, fat soldiers. <laughs> Those kill me. I, I absolutely hate it. You probably have a hard time over there at BLC with them. Uh, yeah. Usually they, uh, come through, uh, if they make it through the gate and get in, uh, they're still the appearance uh, process. Definitely. Uh, really kind of cuts at me for a while. Yeah. Uh, the worst thing is that some of them still make it through and they're about to go be non-commissioned officers and they're just look like a whole bunch of slobby pieces of crap. Yeah. But, uh, about the first year I kind of got over it. Uh, it took a while, uh, cause I would see him in person and I wanted to get him booted out of uh, BLC as fast as possible <laughs> for their, just, just for their sheer appearance. Uh, once you get over the fact that their leadership had sent them there and their leadership has uh, chosen to promote them, uh, that's something that it's way out of my hands. So as yeah. long as they pass the, uh, initial height and weight and they're good to go, but it's uh standard is a standard. Yeah. Um, if you had the power, what regulation would you add or change? Man. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if I had the power regulation, I'd change, uh, 670-1. Hands in uh, pockets. I, what's that? Hands in pockets. Uh, hands in pockets would definitely, no, uh, I would never allow that. I mean, oh that drives God. me nuts. Um, well, as of right now, I you can get off. I, you can get off the show right now. <laughs> I would say that I'm okay. I'd be okay with it if it was in a regulation that they took off growing a beard. Oh yeah, I would love to be able to just grow a beard. Too many uh, armies that I've seen, uh, foreign armies that have full beards, and uh, it just drives me nuts. Honestly, don't, I don't even know why we can't grow beards, but it's whatever. Uh, got a lot to do with gas mask, and then obviously from dating back to whenever that they made these hardcore vicious standards of hair standards and everything it just hasn't uh, progressed in time yet it sucks uh what is your favorite alcoholic beverage uh favorite alcoholic beverage oh man that's a tough one uh i love uh drinking craft beer um i've been i'm i'm a sour and ipa in the summer and then heavy stouts and porter in the winter uh but if i had to pick my favorite beverage uh, i'd be gentleman jack hmm uh who is your favorite superhero or villain, depending if you're a superhero or a villain kind of guy? Oh, my God. Definitely uh, Batman and absolutely Joker. Oh, the Joker is oh, the shit. Yeah, uh, hands down. And it would be uh, different times, too. Uh, I mean, a lot of people, uh, um, was that Christian Bale, would mm -hmm. be like everybody's favorite Batman, which is the one of the best Batmans. Yeah. But uh, I go all the way back to Michael Keaton. I mean, that was a... a first batman as far as i was concerned when i was growing up so. i think nobody can beat the joker in uh the dark knight absolutely not 
No, he's the that, best Joker no. of all time. Uh, I mean, uh, my Joker was always Jack Nicholson when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older, and then all of a sudden when I seen that, that blew my mind to this day. Um, that that will never be duplicated. Where is What is your favorite place in the world? Oh, man. Favorite place in the world? Uh, if it's just dealing with place, woods somewhere. <laughs> Riding a four-wheeler, dirt bike, something. Um, if all jobs paid the same, what would you be working with? If all jobs paid the same? Yeah. Heavy equipment. Running some kind of excavator, dozer somewhere. Um, what is one skill that you wish you had but you currently don't? Oh, man, one skill. Oh, man, uh, that's a tough one. Underwater basket weaving, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, one skill. Shoot, I don't know. Uh, skill I don't have. Uh, I don't know. That'd be a tough one. I'd say more patience. Yeah. All right. Uh, what is one field snack that you cannot forget? Field snack? Yeah. Good or bad? Well, you got to bring it. You can't go to the field without the snack. You oh, always... can't uh, can't go with the field without the snack. Oh my God, uh, man! Energy drinks. Uh, I'm really hugely against them usually when I'm in the field, but uh, a good monster when you're been up for like 24 hours is, I mean, that's, yeah, that's touching God. Um, <clears throat> okay. Well, what is the favorite skill set that you own? Favorite what? Skill set. Favorite skill set that I own. Land navigation. I guess that's too easy though. Oh, I love it. Uh, no, I uh, actually got the, uh, I was lucky. I went to uh, ARC uh, back in uh, 2015, the mm-hmm. Armor Reconnaissance course. Yeah. And that was glorious. I mean, you you go out there. Uh, we used to, uh, before the POI changed, we like like leaned heavily on land navigation mm-hmm. for the soldiers. So when they actually got there, if they didn't test out and find their uh, three out of the four points within the, uh, what was it? I think it was three-hour marker, they got booted from BLC. Oh shit! So I wish when, it was. I wish that it was still like that. Oh, I yeah. hate. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it yeah. later. But so, but uh, when you actually look at the skill set, I mean, uh, to think about it, um, to be able to land navigate, not dead reckoning, but uh, train association, mm-hmm. and uh, going more into uh, reading the land and uh, being able to navigate by looking at a map, not using your protractor or whatnot. That's definitely one of my favorite skill sets, and obviously being a scout, that's pretty big for me. Um. If you were at an airport and an airline gave you a ticket to go anywhere in the world that you want, where would you go? Anywhere in the world I wanted? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I'd probably go back to either London or uh, right about now. Oh, if we asked me now, a home. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Back to the States somewhere. Uh, but that's just because we're stuck. But uh, no, uh, probably probably back to London. I mean, we we really enjoyed uh, me and my wife. Yeah, London, uh, London, London. London is nice. Um, all right, uh, this this one is going to be for my paratroopers out there because most of my audience are actual paratroopers. Okay. Why does every soldier in the one hundred first yeah wish that they were airborne and actually be real paratroopers? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't ever recall wanting to be uh, airborne or a uh, paratrooper. So uh, why? So why do they wear no, jump boots um, over there? Uh, why do they wear what? I mean, I know they wear jump boots because it's tradition. But I mean, would it make make more sense if they were still airborne? 
kind of. Yeah, but uh, the always understanding that I've always got was until the last uh, um, soldier uh, dies. Okay. Of, uh, what was it? World War Two. Yeah. Um, then they will still keep the airborne. Uh, I, I totally get it. I get that a lot. And then <laughs> obviously having the uh, paratroopers around here that come through uh, BLC. And oh, every, it was phenomenal. Dude. Every comment is airborne it, it this was and airborne that. Um, it, it is pretty glorious. I mean, um, uh, all respect to everybody that's doing it. I mean, I, I mean, airborne is like a lifestyle for some of you guys. And uh, I totally get it. I totally respect it. Um, I, I'm proud to be beside people. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously don't have my wings, but... At the same time, uh, anything that's going to bring some kind of spree to core or motivate soldiers the way that Airborne does, and some of the soldiers to look at that such uh, with high standards is absolutely glorious. So, I think you should have been you should you would have been a good paratrooper. You should you should have went to Airborne school. Yeah, if I didn't stick out at 101st for so long, maybe I might have <laughs> been a paratrooper. Well, 101st for what 26? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like pretty much, uh, uh, more than half of my career was 101st. Um, all right, this is this is going to close it up. What is the best piece of advice that you can give someone? Best piece of advice I can give someone? Yep. Uh, pull the trigger when you uh, breathe out. <laughs> sure. Um, um, no, uh, best piece of advice, uh, if it be being in the military, don't take everything personal. Oh, a lot of people need to hear that. Yeah, don't take everything personal. Yeah, take correction. Yeah. If you got someone corrects you, take correction and walk on. All right. Well, that finishes off the gunnet. Um, for those you who don't know, it used to be called the Mad Minute, but I got tired of that name because it wasn't originally mine. And if you got a problem with that, you can stop listening to the show. <laughs> don't really care. But um, and also, it would never last only a minute. So um, that's a new that's a new name. So before we get into the interview, Ryan, just just. I mean, I know you, right? But the audience, um, they have no idea who you are. A lot of people, a lot of people of that listen to this show, or a lot of people that that work with me, and they know most of the people that come on. But just tell a little bit of the audience about who is Ryan Graham, like where has he been, what has he done, um, stuff like that. Okay. Uh, well, uh, for starters, I'm originally from uh, Portsmouth, Ohio. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a town called uh, Willsburg. Uh, originally grew up in Memphis. Uh, if anybody's from, familiar from, with the area, kind of out in the country. Uh, it's started in Ohio. Um, I came in the Army, I think it was New Year of 2005. I uh, originally joined as a reservist, um, which I absolutely hated. I did that for about a year and a half. Came in as a 21 Foxtrot, which was a crane operator uh, for some of you engineers out there, S-Hounds. Um, I did that, and then um, I couldn't stand being reserve anymore, so I decided to go active duty. When I went to the uh, uh, recruiter, I told him I wanted to go active, and I had a buddy that was currently uh, stationed out of Ramstein in the Air Force mm-hmm. and just mad talked about Germany. So I got excited, uh, asked to go to Germany. Uh, they stuck me in 240th Quartermaster Company. I stayed there. I did not do anything to do with the engineer or equipment, uh, so I uh, sat there in a gun cage as unit armor for uh, the three years I was here. I was about to get out of the Army uh, when my first sergeant made me go and uh, talk to a recruiter because I just just felt that I did not belong in that uh, job or that unit. And um, I decided to reclass to 19 Delta Cav Scout. Reclassed and uh, – or I also I deployed with uh, them uh, to uh, Blot Anaconda in uh, 07, 08. Uh, reclassed in 09, shortly thereafter. Went to 101st. Um, where I deployed uh, 10-11 to um, uh, Afghanistan out of Kandahar. 
Um, we was around Fob Wilson. Uh, then uh, went later, came back, uh, was selected out of my unit to deploy in 2012 with the uh, SFAT unit. That was kind of a big deal before they went SFAB back then. Mm-hmm. Um, went to Honda Miracle, Fob Fortress, got promoted on that deployment staff sergeant, came back, obviously took up the position of a senior scout. Um, then uh, got asked to go to the 2014 deployment, and then uh, went to uh, BAF, or BAF, excuse me. Um, we were doing the uh, QRF and, like, uh, uh, security. Uh, we was doing outer core or outer security for, like, 24, 30-some hours at a time. Do that for, like, two weeks straight and then come back in and rotate out of QRF. I came back 14 deployment, and then uh, they asked me to be a platoon sergeant, so I took up the platoon sergeant path. And then uh, deployed to, uh, what was that? It was in Iraq. Uh, Mukmar. Mukmar, mm-hmm. Iraq. And then uh, we stayed there for a while and then came back from that deployment. Uh, while I was on that deployment, I had promised my wife I would uh, take a knee. So <laughs> while I was down here, I called the branch and uh, talked to branch. It was Master Sergeant Truax. And uh, yeah, I put some stuff on the table. And one of them came up was Germany. So I wanted to come back to mm-hmm. Germany. So I seen the NCO Academy. Um, I was excited to do it. It would have taken me away from the line for a little bit and uh, took up the position. That brings me to today. Hmm. Um, I know that most of your career, you, you made it into 101st, right? And like, like you said, you spend there for like eight years. Good, yeah. Um, Same platoon. And while at, at, uh, <clears throat> at God damn, eight years, you platoon? Yep. That's I, crazy. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> Everybody, the only time I actually separated from the platoon was 2012 because I was the uh, one of the uh, – or I was the only uh, NCO, yeah, mm-hmm. out of my uh, troop beside my first sergeant that went on the SFAB. Uh, but as as far as, as what you told me, whenever uh, I were I still at BLC, you told me that uh that your platoon changed names when you when you became platoon sergeant to to the Reapers. Oh and no! So no, we we were always Reapers. We changed name from um, uh, I can't say that name probably on the air. Uh, we had a different name when I got to my unit back in uh, uh, 09. Mm-hmm. And uh, we changed in my platoon sergeant time. His name was uh, Sergeant Schmeiser. And Sergeant Schmeiser was like, we got to come up with a uh, name. Came up with what was name. his name? Uh, we let saying it on air? Yeah, nobody oh, cares. Oh, cool. Uh, it was Donkey Cox. <laughs> it was uh, written real big on the wall. So big Donkey Cox. And he was like, that was about the time that, you know, times were changing. And that was a little uh, rated R. And uh, they didn't uh. like it. So uh, we had to change the name. So. We came up with Reapers. We were Reapers for a while until I deployed uh, for the SFAT tour and um, my platoon sergeant at the time, which I, I loved him to death, but he tried to change it to Spartans and then boycott. So, of, like, uh, basic training platoon name. That's yeah, ridiculous. so uh, when he did that, uh, one of the uh, soldiers, uh, uh, Special Saluna, boycotted by getting a Reaper tattoo. So by the time I came back, uh, needless to say, we went back to the Reapers. Oh. So we were Reapers for close to eight years, so definitely left with the name so but were you were you really a reaper though oh yeah absolutely all right um, we were reapers and land pirates that's what we were <laughs> um just so, just so, just so the audience can know a little bit what what is uh your current assignment over the, the nco academy and, and how does that impact the new generation of leaders that are currently like coming in the army like for example me uh currently i'm uh, um uh, one of the senior instructors over at the nco academy uh, so my job, uh, I don't teach anymore. Uh, I quit teaching. I mean, I'm not saying I just tapped out and quit teaching, but normally when we come up to a senior uh, instructor, mm-hmm. you get pulled out of the classroom. But I taught for the, like the first two years. 
the second year I was teaching at the academy, we were still um, kind of, I wouldn't say dual hatting, but we were still as a seat as an instructor at the same time we were senioring at the same time. So all the seniors owned a class, taught in a class, and still owned packets and whatnot. And then we still uh, ran the instructors. But now we just, as a senior instructor, we just pretty much run the instructors. Mm-hmm. So uh, more than anything, um, we just make sure all the instructors uh, stay in line. I mean, which is too easy. We got all, all staff sergeants over there. I think we got maybe uh, two, uh, just uh, E5 sergeants. One's uh, promotable. Uh, but, I mean, for the most part, I mean, we kind of stay in the back. We're pretty much movement NCOs and uh, wait till someone either catches someone out of line or something. That's usually when you hear me across the way. <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard you uh... – just a couple of times. It wasn't a lot, though. Uh, so, what what are some changes changes that is currently going on with the with the NCO professional development schools? And uh, I mean, it, it, like you like we talked before, it, they took out land nav, they took out field operate field stuff. Like, yeah. Uh, what, what is um some changes? Some big changes that are happening. Okay, so look at like the old way of doing things. We used to the old POI that we did. Uh, I think it was throughout the first year. So I got here in 2017. I think we changed it 2000 either early 2018 or mid 2018. Cause I know, I know I didn't teach it long. Um, the old POI, we used to do sticks, go out, you know, do it, run a lane. Mm-hmm. Um, you would, uh, um, lead, um, an element. So a small squad, you, we had squad leaders, team leaders and whatnot. And you, it was a great event. Mm-hmm. Um, we also had land navigation and then you had your three, uh, tests that you took. Um, which was your phase testing and stuff like that. So it kind of, um, if you, uh, were good at tests, you went back and studied, you know, did well, knocked out a test, you were good. Um, and then look at the new POI. So the new POI is all like really focused on creating your critical and creative thinkers. So take, um, uh, soldiers, uh, or specialists, you know, from shoot 10, 15 years ago from when I was, Mm -hmm. you know, you were the type to, you know, sit down and collar. That's what you're told to do. You mm-hmm. did exactly what you were told to do. And that's it. That's the farthest that you went was, you know, hey, do this, Roger, tracking. Uh, you know, you went out there and swept the floor. And then when you was done, you sit there with the broom, you wait to be told to do something else. So now we're kind of getting into the critical creative thinking. So with kind of forces you soldiers, specialists out there, the uh, think harder, think faster, uh, think on your own, uh, making a decision. So, Take the typical uh, comment to an NCO or that an NCO makes to like a group of soldiers. So you always have your, uh, do you guys have like a Joe room where you're at in your unit? A what? A Joe room. So like where we were. kind of. So my old unit, um, we used to have like, you had your offices with platoon offices and stuff. And then Mm -hmm. in the very back, you had a big long table that everyone always either utilized to teach something. And then that was kind of what we called the Joe room. So soldiers hung out back there and then until, you know, task came down or, you know, whatever we were doing, Mm -hmm. boom, go back there, start teaching some stuff. So uh, you always have the typical NCO that tells you, hey, you know, what, what are you guys doing? I don't know. And they just kind of hanging out, right? So then um, uh, what we're kind of getting to, and this is just a small piece, is think about the, that NCO that already knows what to do, X, Y, Z. So this is where it starts. And then uh, 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 a soldier taking, uh, taking it on himself to know that, you know, hey, you know, toilet's got to be scrubbed or, you know, the bathroom's got to be cleaned up. This area's got to be cleaned up. Or to know that the motor pool needs straightened up. Straightened up. Um, know that trucks need to be pushed back online. Make sure the trucks are clear of ammo. We just got out of the field. Make sure all the trucks are clean, mm-hmm. whatnot. Uh, that, that's where it starts. Uh, it's uh, teaching you guys to be more uh, critical and creative thinkers. 
um, to go from that to going to the field, um, being left alone. So when you have a soldier that is alone, uh, what does a soldier tentatively do? I mean, it's rack time or just, you know, yeah. sit on your hands. But then you have the ones that you usually, I mean, when I'm definitely on the line, this is how I usually pick my leaders is that's usually the soldier that, that during that time, that downtime, uh, they're using it to camouflage their equipment. They're camouflaging their truck. Um, they're walking over to the team leader and being like, hey, can you teach me a little bit more about the routes that we're going on? Mm-hmm. Hey, um, I don't exactly understand why we tie down the trucks this way. So why do we do this? Um, those are the ones that are learning more faster and picking up things. So, I mean, we're putting more responsibility on the, the average NCO that comes through there. And you guys notice that, like, when you guys come through, I mean, we try to put all, all responsibility on you. You When you're in a platoon sergeant position, a, a squad leader position, a team leader position, you know, you run your platoons. I mean, I mean, it's something as simple as a senior instructor where we inspect your barracks and we tell the soldiers, they're like, hey, can I just make a request for X, Y, and Z cleaning supplies? Well, do you mm-hmm. use your chain of command? Yeah. It blows their mind. They're like, well, it's something that small. Yeah, use your chain of command. I mean, it's it's something that small. I mean, yeah. and it's definitely ways to get things done. I mean, it's easy just to look at a bunch of group people and be like, do this. But nowadays you have to win people over. Yeah, So you're, you're pretty much playing politics, trying to get someone to do something nowadays versus the, the old way of being like, hey, go do this. Yeah. But I I, I, still, I mean, I have no say on, on, on making the PR, but I do think that uh, – we could we could have still kept like the field exercises and a lot of stuff. So, <clears throat> so you got to think of it like this. So, what are they what are they focusing on? They're focusing on making smarter soldiers, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember like the essays that you yes. guys had to write? So, there's more essays to be written today, and everyone always comes there and they're like, I don't understand that. And then, do you remember the, watching the video, the one where the two uh, infantry soldiers are arguing over ones? I don't understand why I have to learn this stuff. It's crap, you know. I definitely don't uh, remember the video. I feel like shit right do. now. Some people are just on like a straight train all the way through there. Look, I, I, pre- I have a pretty good memory about everything, but I really don't remember that video. Yeah, so um, so there's video with that. Uh, it just basically um, – so think of it like this. So is it good to keep all those? Yes. Am, am I – a 10 level task is land nav, correct? Mm-hmm. So yes. am I against like taking it out of uh, BLC? Mm, yeah, we still give you guys a crash course unless there's like bad weather, like winter, you know, this is Germany. So I mean, yeah. sometimes we can't do the land nav. Uh, but when the times we do take you guys out for land nav, we actually go out there and we teach you land nav beforehand, teach you the basics and then run you through it. And then that's usually when we go out there and we do sticks or not sticks, but we do the CIT. So the conduct individual training. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, you got to think of like what you're what you're going to gain out of uh, even uh, combat soldiers to the non-combat soldiers uh, going out to that the running the sticks lane. I mean, you're not going to be able to go out there for two weeks and sit out there and see what they know. It, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. So I mean, your typical training will go out there like what you used to do before was you know a day of training, and then that's where you did the squad. Am I against them pulling it out? No. I mean, did I enjoy it when we did it and taught it and then ran it? Yeah, it was pretty cool. It definitely was. But you definitely seen a powerhouse of um, the first two weeks of uh, BLC before was more focused towards non-combat arms. That was where you had a lot more uh, paperwork, a lot more um, writing awards and everything. And you've seen who shined. And then the last two weeks was like combat arms. So that's when we started talking about field exercise and all that stuff like that. So like even in the, the class, you would see an, a rising of the hands of people being like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then it's not taken away from combat arms or non-combat arms saying you don't know, you know, either job, but it, you just seen a difference in it. I mean, we have time and time and time again. 
Well, what um, a, what um what stu- whenever you do those ARs at the end, would students that are not combat arms kind of like complain about doing those those field stick those sticks whenever you guys had them or depends. Um, it's a lot of times, and this was hard because I, I, this is like a lot of people's pride. So it's your bread and butter, one especially obviously me being combat arms. I understand, so I would see it and try to nip it in the bud before it started. But you would have combat arms soldiers like railroad over the non-combat arms when they were like screwing something up so then all of a sudden they'd be like boom and if they were in a uh, team leader role and they're supposed to be listening to squad leader i've definitely seen them be like all right so this is my mission now and you watch the grade of the squad leader just go down and then they just lose control so then it's it's kind of like a dominance thing after that and then you gotta you gotta talk to them off to the side and then be like hey this person's getting this grade you got to give them the chance and it's just hard because no one, no one wants to fail, whether it's training or in you know combat. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's a pride. It's definitely kicking the gut. So it's yeah, definitely I mean, difficult. I I definitely it, the, the the one of the funniest things is when the whenever those CIT classes were given out, they would uh kind of like pre-select it based on like the roster numbers, and you'll have like dudes like me and like other scouts and other infantry guys like get um, I don't know orient yourself on a map or yep. shoot an azimuth or mine was like a visual signaling techniques yep and you'll have like i had a chaplain assistant her class was uh adjusting direct fire and me as a scout and i'm like dude and there was me and this, me and this other fisher were like dude that's literally all we do and she gets stuck with, this, with that class but it was kind of funny they're all like they all like reached out for help and, and stuff like that, and we helped them out. So the biggest thing that we want to see with uh, students in the class is actually help each other. That's good. That's what we want to see. Mm-hmm. But um, also, it's it's not – I mean, it is how well you know the class, but it's how you present the class. Can you control the class? Can you deliver the class? That's what we want to see with stuff like that. So it's never like we're trying to play stump the chump here. They give you a class. You guys get get the class. You prepare for it. I mean, it literally is in a book. I mean, that's yeah. what kills me is how many times we'll give you guys the manual and be like, "Hey, man, this is a skill level." You know. Yeah, I scored. I scored a hundred in mine, and I have people like, "Oh, how'd you get a hundred? And I did. I'm like, "Dude, there's just like a sheet that says what all the steps you got to take. Just follow you the steps." You can read it verbatim. That's all we want to see. Yeah. We want to see you guys read it verbatim. You guys come out there to execute it. You guys have notes that you guys use to execute like hey, no cards bump, yes step this step x y and z you guys run the lane that's all we want to see you guys got to grade somebody that's it and it, the, the, it blows my mind that people i've had soldiers either lose their paperwork not prepare for it think they can wing it and it is the hardest thing to sit there and grade someone without yelling at I, I i uh the funniest thing is is seeing i mean the non-combat moss's get like oh jobs that are like a focus towards combat MOSs and they just start freaking out like oh i don't know what to do i'm like just relax all you gotta do is just give a class don't you freak literally out. just follow follow the steps written out for <laughs> yeah. you that's all you gotta do all right we'll, we'll move on but um <clears throat> you as you're 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 a senior nco right mm-hmm. and you as as a senior nco right um what are some some key attributes that you usually look for in like a brand new sergeant or a young uh, on a PFC specialist that like has a lot of leadership potential and yeah, we'll stop there and then we'll go to. Okay. So some of the stuff I definitely look for. Yeah. Um, okay. So being on the line, like I love, uh, I love breeding good NCOs. Mm -hmm. That's like my thing. Um, resiliency 
Uh, that's that's top priority. Uh, resiliency and physical fitness and loyalty. Yeah. Right off the bat. Phys- um, with um, what's that? Those are all big things. Yeah. So uh, with resiliency, is a soldier going to be able to fail? Uh, I always present this to a question of classes. I'd always ask class, you know, would you rather have that soldier that gets a first time go that, you know, you can send a ranger school, you can send airborne, you can send all these schools first time go every time out of the shoot. You never have to worry about them. They're a first time go. Or do you want that guy that is constantly just screwing up or it's not, it's not saying constantly screwing up, but he's definitely met failure once or twice. If you tell him to take a Humvee out in the back of the woods and he's driving, he's getting stuck. If he does something, sometimes it gets broke. Now, I'm not saying I'm, I'm picking out the biggest, you know, F up of the entire platoon or the entire troop, but just someone that struggles. But is that person still there every day? Is that person still motivated? A resilient soldier is someone that's literally going to be the type that be covered in like mud and oil and blood and still be trucking forward. I can work with that. Mm-hmm. I can always work with that. I can work with a perfect soldier too, but the only thing I ever fear about a perfect soldier is the fear that one day they might meet failure and see what happens after that. And they that. will just. I've, I've seen a soldier that's perfect crumble because they couldn't do something. And that was the hardest thing for them. Um, and then obviously physical fitness. I hate fat soldiers. No offense, but I mean, I, I absolutely, it drives me nuts. Um, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm the same way. I, I don't believe that you should even be in the army if you, if you don't even look like a soldier. You, you kinda. are the weak link in my life and uh, you need to get out of the way, get out of the army. Uh, yeah. I hate it. Um, so when I, when I see a fat soldier or a soldier, that's just plain out not fit. Um, if, if they are trucking to get fit, Hey man, I got respect for you at that moment. But if you're not, and you're just sitting there and you're taking up space in my army, get out. I seen um, dudes, I seen dudes in, in the army in uniform that their chin literally connects to their chest. Just straight up. I always tell them they look like a busted can of biscuits. And I've it never is. seen uh, uniforms have stretch marks, but they yeah. do. Yeah. Um, the, uh, with, with that is a fit soldier can go a long way. I mean, obviously everybody knows that Every, no one likes to get that soldier that shows up and you're like, you know, I'm exceeding the standard. Be like, Oh no kidding. You know, what's, what's your last, uh, uh PT score? And then they're like 181. <laughs> Fuck dude. <laughs> yeah. What, what am I going to do with that? So, um, uh, no, I mean, I can, like I said, I can build that too. I mean, uh, I don't care. Once again, that goes into resiliency, you know, how, how well is that soldier going to, you know, struggle and keep up. But, uh, I do like soldiers that are right there beside me. I mean key thing i mean like i said uh, and then loyalty man uh you can't beat a loyal soldier yeah you i mean i'm not physically beat but i mean you just can't i mean that's the best i mean when you have a soldier that's loyal to your platoon um big thing i was with uh with my soldiers all those my reapers out there that was with me and they knew who they are um was loyalty uh they knew we were loyal to the platoon no mm-hmm. one could say anything about the platoon nobody uh, you, now you're in the platoon, you'd be talking mad shit if you was pissed at me or something like that and all angry. But at the same time, let someone else step out and be like, yeah, you guys platoon sucks. I mean, that changed the whole like attitude of everybody. Yeah. They hated it. So, so how, how do you, how do you really maximize the talents of those, those young prospects, those young, le- uh, lead young soldiers that have uh, the leadership potential? How do you maximize their talents? Uh, biggest thing is figure out what they are. Um, so, uh, now, now this is my way of doing things, and it's not um, the. I'm not saying it's the only way. I'm not saying it's the right way, but I know it's not wrong because my platoon was pretty dominant at what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a pure believer of uh, pushing a soldier to their limits, and when I say push them to their limits, I want to see you at your happiest. The best way you can do that is like uh, catch them on a uh, a Friday. Uh, you can always see your soldiers back there like smiling. They're getting ready to go get drunk or you know go hang out with their buddies or yeah. go home to their wives, families, kids, whatever. And you're always smiling. So I can see at your happiest. Now take them to the field. 
Now run them in the ground for about, you know, 30 hours, like run them out of sleep and everything. That's when you're going to see them at their tiredest. So you're, they're, they're almost like, just like vulnerable. They're weak. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're going to break them. You're going to end up doing PT so much or doing some kind of physical event to where you're going to bring tears to somebody's eyes, which I have. And it's just, uh, pushing them so far to the left and right of their limits, um, that tells you a lot about a soldier. Um, and that helps you explore some of their talents because some, someone's a talent might be that they just can't be broke. I had two of them uh, that was in uh, the last platoon that they were a battle buddy team and I could run them as long as I wanted to. And it was great. And uh, uh, that was like the, the, the beginning of what I could find out what they could do. Now using uh, each of their talents after that, um, man, uh, you got to find out what someone's passionate at. I mean, you have soldiers that are like, I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, if you're you're a downright country boy or whatever, nine times out of ten, you're gonna love being a driver. You're yeah. gonna love being in that truck. <laughs> yeah. So if I had a lot of them as the driver the most glorious job, no. Especially when you're a private, but that's where you're gonna start. Um, you got someone that's <laughs> trigger happy that loves blowing stuff up, put them in the gun. Obviously you're eventually they're gonna be, you know, uh, I mean obviously they're gonna be like a specialist or make it to a uh, team leader and you're gonna put them up there on that uh, Mark nineteen or that fifty cow. I hate being attached to the truck. Uh, I I did I did too, but I mean I I as fat tour I was on I was a gunner, really? I mean I did my job. I mean uh, that was a heavy officers, heavy heavy rank. So I mm-hmm. mean I was a, me and uh, two other guys was the NCOs or three uh, was uh, lower enlisted. So when we went, I mean that was we had our jobs, driver all that stuff. We keep that was different different uh, tour, but uh, for the most part, but. So I mean, doing jobs like that, it's not it's not bad. It's a stepping stone to to understand what a, a gunner's experience or being attached to a truck feels like attach someone to a truck they'll know they'll hate it and then yeah. once they hate it or they'll they'll do it and then they'll move on and then they can look at that next soldier and be like hey your I, turn I, yeah your turn i've done this before i carried that thing yeah i know it sucks let's go quit crying i mean we all know but if you've never experienced it you never know until you pick up that ammo can and you're like wow that is actually pretty heavy <laughs> yeah i hate that but um yeah it, um exploit uh, exploiting or you know using their their talents, I mean, that's that's really, to be honest with you, that's getting to know your platoon. Mm-hmm. That's uh, actually taking the time to get to know each soldier, and it, and it takes time. It, it It's not happening overnight. Yeah. So, I mean, once you get to know what they like or what they love doing, I mean, because sometimes, I mean, have we all put someone in the wrong position before? Hell yeah. And then once you do, then you start adjusting. Just fire. Move them around. Yeah. What is the, what's the uh, the best piece of advice that you can give to to newly promoted sergeants and or people that are new into a leadership role? Talk less, listen more. Hmm. Um, when so now that's not saying you know shut up and collar in no way shape or form. Why I ever tell you that you're you're one of the new team leaders. You're one of the leading. Uh, you're I mean you're the, the leaders of the future. And let's say ten some less than ten years for some of you NCOs. Uh, way less than 10 years. Some of you guys would be starting first classes. Some of you guys would be uh, uh, first sergeants, sergeant majors. Damn. So, I mean, when you really think about it, so think about most of the, te- uh, the E-5s right now. They're future sergeant majors. You know what it feels like to be in a room full of uh, young specialists and to think that you might be teaching the sergeant major of the Army? It's weird. Yeah. We, we talked about that before. Um, to give some advice like that and say, uh, uh, listen, you know, uh, talk less, listen more. Uh, ask, ask the leaders above you, uh, seek out guidance from a mentor. And there's a difference between mentor and, um, obviously than a uh, coach. We've all talked about that in class and stuff. 
Yeah, well, but, I mean, um, after, after you've done that, I want you to want you to hit on okay. uh, mentorship. Um, so if you find a good mentor, uh, ask them for their advice um, and and talk. You know, like um, you know, real world problems, dealing with Joe problems. I mean, everybody has them mind blowing stories where you can be like, you know, what's one of the the craziest things you've ever dealt with, and they tell you, and you're like, I have nothing on that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know how to do that. Um, to be a team leader, that's the stuff you guys have to deal with. You guys are the, the, the front line. I don't care what your MOS is. You are the front line for dealing with stupidity. Mm-hmm. And then what are you going to do after that? What's, what's your next move? So talking to uh, senior leaders like surface classes, um, uh, first sergeants, sergeant majors that will take the time to talk to you, hit them with uh, you know, real-world scenario questions. And, and uh, even with your MOS and job, obviously you're going to sit down with a platoon sergeant or a first sergeant and get mentored. Ask them how they got to that position. I mean, not everybody just sat there and waited until all of a sudden someone just came up to you. Hey, you want to be a Sunfish class? Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That sounds good. How much does it make? <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, you literally uh, – everyone's fighting for position. I mean, everyone's fighting for getting promoted and definitely with the new change of promotion. I mean, that's way different. So you can keep falling down. I mean, like as far as on the totem pole and then get passed up by some specialist that you trained. So That's crazy. I mean, like I said, uh, you know – obviously ask ask questions but you know listen more because everybody has that mentality of you know oh no no i got this i know what i'm doing and you know you want to be that that shiny moment but mm-hmm. sometimes you're we're missing opportunities with our senior leaders that have been in for 15 20 years and they're going to retire and go on now take the average soldier uh, look at the average soldier today how many slick sleeves you got walking around no, I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but um, but how many slick sleeve soldiers you got walking it, around? It's going to be a lot more common to see soldiers with like no deployment badges. See yeah, platoon sergeants, first sergeant, no deployment badges. How many staff sergeants and first class have you seen? A lot. Yeah. How weird is that? Yeah. Do you know how weird that is for me? I mean, for, you look you look yeah. at you look at the at the at the troop pictures and you see like PFCs or like yep. cabs on and, and deployment badges. And yep. You're like, damn. So go back, you know, when I first came in the army and stuff, and no, I haven't been in since Nam or nothing. I ain't that goddamn old. But I mean, you look at some of the uh, earlier years of Iraq and Afghanistan, and you take all ever like P, like PV2s with like mad combat experiences mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So those are the people you want to pick brains on. Because now you got your new NCOs, E5s, E6s getting ready to go down range as a new sergeant or staff sergeant. Yeah. And they're getting ready to lead soldiers in the battle with no knowledge on some of the stuff that in places that we've been or like anything that anybody's experienced. Mm-hmm. And that's not the time to be like, oh, I don't want to hear your advice. Yeah. That's the time to ask, like, what's it like? Actually, before that, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. But before you get on that plane, I would definitely be asking some <laughs> questions, but I wouldn't wait till I got there. So, uh, we kind of hit it a little bit, but I mean, what what is mentorship for you, and, and how important it is to to the building the developing a, a soldier? Okay, so mentorship. So this is something I, um, that is very strong. Um, everyone, uh, I, I'm a true believer that everyone can be a coach. Everyone can coach someone through, but not everybody can be a mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, mentor is something that's two both people. So that's two different people are going to take the time to do so. The mentor obviously committing to mentoring you, not just you can't just call someone a mentor because, hey, I talk to this guy every, you know, blue moon and, you know, he gives me advice, you know, like best places to buy beer or something like that. No, um, or best beer to try. No, the the mentor, you're, you're definitely it's always that person that you're going to lean towards and be like, hey, I, I've got a real heavy, you know, uh, dilemma in my platoon or with a soldier. And I, I'm, I'm looking for you for some advice. Um 
if that person is invested in you, and I mean they have to be invested in you because they got to want to talk to you and give you advice, yeah. then they're going to help you out. And you're going to either take their advice or, as I always say, build off their advice. Like, I, I, your advice is duly noted. Um, I'm still going to do it this way, but I'm going to have that way back in my mind. I mean, because, you know, let's face it, we're all set on our set in our ways sometimes. And we, you know, like to use, see, well, let me see if my method works too. And obviously, I'd come back to that my mentor and tell him, hey, um, I tried it this way. It did work too. Or, you know what? I'm sorry. Your way would have worked better. And uh, I met, messed up. But um, uh, coaching someone along, I mean, we're all coaches. I mean, NCOs, we're all coaches. We're all going to give someone advice, but not always is the best advice. But um, for those to be mentors, I also always tell uh, the uh, young NCOs that come through there, if you're going to be a mentor um, you're, or you're looking for a mentor, you're not looking for a mentor at your same goddamn rank. I mean, you're not going to be a specialist talking to another specialist and being like, you know, how did you make it for so long in this career? <laughs> you know what I mean? You always want I mean, to there, there are some specialists that have been a specialist for a long time. Yeah, there are some career specialists out there. You know, uh, you guys did a really good job of kind of hanging out. I usually see them when I walk into the PX. They got their hands in their pockets. They got their caps pushed back. Nothing it's, wrong. Put your hands in your pockets. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, um, uh, you, you want to reach high. I mean, get, get that starting first class because, uh, I mean, shoot, all my mentors right now, all of them are, I mean, literally all of them are about to be Sergeant Majors or mm -hmm. at Sergeant Majors Academy. Um, one of them's a major right now. I mean, th you're, they're, they're moving with me as I go up in rank. They're obviously going to climb in rank, and um, obviously I pick really damn good mentors. So, mm, so <clears throat> as a leader, what, what, was the start, was, what was the hardest decision that you had to make in your, oh, in your career? Man, hardest decision. Uh, I had some tough ones. Um, I'd say a hard decision, even without, you know, going in, um, never really had some like crazy combat decisions that's ever been stupid. Nothing I can think of. Um, I'd say probably one of the tough decisions, and I'd say we all do it on an everyday basis as being a leader, is uh, promoting someone. Hmm. Uh, either promoting them or um, not to promote them. Sitting at that table and being like, why not to promote Soldier X or why to promote Soldier X? And then when you give a Soldier X a chance and you promote them and they just totally suck. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, God dang it. Hey, that was your yeah. boy. And you're like, Jesus Christ, this guy's trash. I see it happen all I see it happen a lot. There's something that I'm not a big fan of is that whole automatically promotable yeah, uh, situation that. that should piss me off. Yeah, I'm against it. I seen. I don't care if you. I don't care how many deployments you got. I don't. I don't care how long you've been in the army. You, you're automatically promotable, and you're a piece of shit. You're still a piece of shit. Uh, I've seen quite a few window or window liquors in my time. Yeah, you. You probably seen a lot more than me, but I. Them motherfuckers piss me off. I definitely had some people show up at um uh when I was on the line. Um, two of them that I can think of that was uh, fuelers. Not nothing to say anything bad about fuelers. Mm -hmm. So fuelers out there, whatever. I ain't talking trash. But um, to come uh, to the line, and one of them didn't know that he uh, got promoted in round. <laughs> Had no clue. Was wearing special rank. And then there was uh, some talk about uh, a, uh, uh, the first start came, you know, was chewing my uh, tune starts ass and was like, you know, why do I have this guy? And he's wearing special rank, this, that, and the other. He didn't know. He had no clue. Had another one, that, uh, pin six. And so that staff sergeant led soldiers, and that's a big deal, obviously being combat arms. And obviously we were – always deploying at 101st it was we were in a freaking god dang dude's like a god dang shoot out there <laughs> you just constantly just going and um so 
Uh, he ended up he ended up picking up six, taking over Bravo uh, as a Bravo section sergeant. The other guy took up his team leader. Um, I think I scared the one so bad. I think we stuck him in a training room, and then that staff sergeant <laughs> like volunteered to go to gate guard duty, and then eventually he ended up uh, like volunteering for a recruiter. Like he was just worried about going down the ranch. He didn't he didn't go forward with us or nothing. Well, but people just reclassing. And then if he had went, it would have been probably would have been a liability. To be yeah. honest, yeah, yeah, he he would have. He would have been a liability. Uh, he was the one guy that uh, the Joes, you know them, uh, your typical uh, uh, Joe that finds a weak moment in an NCO when uh, the NCO, uh, the platoon sergeant, I'll never forget, called over and said, uh, uh, hey, I need your uh, frontline trace. So the uh, section sergeant obviously, you know, reclassed, didn't know what a frontline trace was. So <laughs> immediately asked the truck, you know, hey, did we bring frontline traces? And they were like, no, we didn't bring any frontline traces. We left them back in the rear. So he came back on the net and was like uh, – uh, uh, what was that? I think it was blue platoon, blue four. This is a uh, blue five. Uh, we didn't bring any frontline traces with us. <laughs> Needless to say, it didn't go over well for him. That's funny as shit. Yeah, I would have made him a driver to be honest with you. Mm. He's about to get bossed around by some private. I guarantee it. Uh, I definitely say. I mean, without you know hesitation, that's probably been some of the hardest decisions. I mean, and no, that's not the hardest decision I've ever made in my career, but it's probably one I want to talk about. So what what um if you think back back over the course of your career right you you probably you met a lot of people officers and COs yep. and uh, lower enlisted but who who was someone that um that kind of outstood out stood out for you someone that you respected a lot someone that you you like I really want to follow this guy and someone that just just kind of helped shape the kind of person you are today. Oh, man. I can think of one that didn't help shape me in a good way, but he definitely was a uh, – he was the, one of the last heavy hitters that I was definitely around. Uh, that was definitely First Sergeant Stone, Nathan Stone. That dude was an angry bastard. <laughs> and uh, he was heavy hitter. Like, he was hard like hard on – you know, the typical, like, abusive dad that beats you, but you still love him? Yeah. Yep, that was him. I, I never experienced that, but – Oh, he's crying me, man. It was, it, was, it was brutal. He was my first sergeant for 10-11, and then uh, I went on the SFAT tour. He was the one that asked me to go. And uh, he's also the one that promoted me. He mm. rode me so goddamn hard. It was like just – I was a kicking post. Um, but, uh, definitely, he definitely stands out on top of my head, but I mean, man, to pinpoint one leader, I don't think that that would give enough respect to some of them that, uh, I've actually, that's actually changed my life. I know one off top of my head, uh, my commander, um, Bradley, uh, Dick shot Dale Brown. Um, it's a big ass name. What's that? It's a big ass name. Uh, well, we called him Dick Shot Dale Brown because uh, I think it was Call of Duty or something he was playing. He kept running around shooting people in the dick. Um, <laughs> I can say that, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Um, but, yeah, they called him Dick Shot Dale Brown because I guess he was drunk and he was playing it and he kept shooting people in the dick and screaming, Dick Shot, Dick Shot. We ended up getting him a 1911 with Dick Shot Dale Brown on the side of it. <laughs> and um, before he left, yeah, yeah he was badass. Uh, he was um, – uh, he definitely um, coined a concept with me um, that uh, empowered uh, soldiers. And it, I, if I could say one person that's definitely changed, yeah, I would. I would definitely say uh, old Bradley Brown. It's, it's Major Brown now, hmm. but um, he's he's still someone that I still talk to every day. Where's he at right or now? Not every day, but um, uh, or something. He's down in Florida somewhere doing some kind of training in college, doing some kind of officer bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, no. Um, 
there's definitely a video if you ever get a uh, chance to check it out. If you was in one of my classes, I would have definitely played it. Or if I teach, and I've, I've showed a couple classes. It's a, um, it's a oh, man, a motivational speaker, I guess you'd kind of call him. Uh, it's a submarine video. It's a look up submarine captain or some shit. And it shows um, uh, the guy. It's like a cartoon drawing. And he talks about leadership, like um, empowering uh, young leaders. It's basically what mm -hmm. it's about. And uh, having your uh, uh, young leaders make decisions on their own without having to be told to do so. So it's empowering the platoon. And that's how he led. So it was more like you coming. So let's say you come to me and you'd be like, hey, so, you know, uh, where do you think we should set up the uh, OP? And I look at you and I'm like, where would you set up the OP? Well, I, I, would, I would set up the OP right here. I mean, best observation right there. I mean, I can see everything. Okay. So what do you do next? What would you do? Oh, I, I start developing a pace plan for, you know, what happens if, you know, someone gets injured or something like medevacs and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So where would you put the medevac route? <laughs> you, know, well, you know, the infill and exfill routes, where would you put them at? And you start asking those questions. You start employing or um, empowering the, the soldier to make those decisions. It, it, you watch video. It's, it's actually pretty, pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Um, but uh, he definitely taught me that way of uh, leading. And um, to this day, I still look for him for guidance. But I mean, I mean, special mentions, uh, definitely, it's now getting ready to be uh, Sergeant Major Metz. I mean, I still look for him for guidance all the time. Um, one of the best goddamn NCOs I've ever been around, served with, cared more about the, the Joe than anything, or the soldiers than anything else. I mean, he really did. Um, getting ready to be Sergeant Major Nebraskas, Big D. Um, uh, I think he's at Polk right now, but uh, uh, he was definitely a good influence. And then um, another officer would be uh, Capper, Captain Hansen. Uh, he's in Holmfelds now. Ew, uh, that's gross. Oh god, I don't know. I don't. I haven't had much experience Holmfelds. And then uh, Captain uh, I've Ma been I've been there a couple times. It's terrible. I hate it. Really? Yeah. Shit, I've never been out there. It's a shithole, man. And then the last one would be. Uh, uh, did you ever meet uh, Captain uh, Folkredo? He was over at TCR. No, I have, I don't know nobody commander. at TCR. Okay, he was commander of Pell Horse Troop, but uh, I don't I don't mix up with the. Uh, with those with that side of the pond oh. <laughs> i get you i get you yeah uh, but i mean those are i mean only name a few man i mean i've got ton, i mean i can say your name all day but just impacting leaders that have just still this day i mean those are the ones that i still to this day reach out to hmm. i mean since i've been here i mean uh captain hansen and uh captain falcretto's too i just if i have an issue or something if i want some kind of guidance here i'm definitely going to reach out to one of them too here all right well we're we're kind of coming towards the end, but like always, I always I always talk about this. Um, I, I made a I started podcasting because I was going through a little uh, kind of like a, a changes changes when I was starting more putting leadership roles in my in my uh, in my unit and kind of like struggling that typical that typical new new person on the job just struggling with stuff and so I made this show and I want to just be there just have this, have the show for people to. That are struggling with with new roles or leadership decisions, just come over and listen, see if they can learn some stuff, and just kind of just just hear some advice from from uh, from from other people, right? But what what is one thing that you you can tell someone that just kind of like just motivate them, give them some uh, some some advice on on stuff as as a new leader in in a new job? I'd say if you're starting off as a new leader in a new job. Um, if it motivates you and think about this, um, whether you're combat arms, or you're non-combat arms, think about yourself being downrange 
think yourself about uh, being on a fob somewhere and not saying that all of you will be stuck on a fob, but think about being on a fob and um, shit hits the fan. Who do you think the soldiers are going to look to? Are they going to look to the specialist or the private to the left and right of them, or are they going to look for someone that's wearing stripes? And what's the first thing you're going to be able to tell them? So as, as a leader, be the leader. Um, know your job. Know the standards. Follow the standards. Um, uh, I know we, we talk about the hands in the pockets. Yeah, if, if hands in pockets. <laughs> obviously, if the hands in pockets, just know that if you're going to tell someone not to do something, don't be doing it yourself. If you're going to tell someone that uh, spearhead physical fitness and physical fitness is one of the most important things to your career, don't be fat. Um, I mean, obviously, stand out, be somebody, do something to, to separate yourself from every other leader that's beside you. Uh, know that uh, once you pin stripes, you're not just uh, a leader, but you're uh, if you're uh, competitive, you're competing with everybody to your left and your right. So even your best friend you're competing with. You guys both get NCOERs. You're both going to get looked at for seven. And what makes you any different than the person to your left and your right? So if there's schools out there, grab them. If there's uh, some way to separate yourself, you know, obviously NCO, the month, quarter, whatever, um, you know, go out there. Uh, you got your morales board that's here. You got the uh, Audie Murphy board, all that stuff that you can go out for. Um, I would tell you to stay involved. Um, listen to your leadership. You know, grab as much in, uh, information you can about deploying and treat every day like, you know, pretty much at one, it's your last, and two, you're deploying tomorrow. All right, well, this is the World's Greatest Leaders. Ryan, I appreciate you coming on the on the episode. It was, yeah, it was awesome having you here, and I uh, appreciate you just, just sharing some of your experiences with, with the audience because if they're taking the time to listen to this and if they're taking the time to listen to someone that's not a paratrooper, they're definitely interested. But... <laughs> This little talk crap talking over there, but um, just appreciate you coming on the show, man. I appreciate you, you, you talking to us. It was, it was uh, an honor, honor to have you here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, Boys and Greatest Leaders, I will see you guys on the next episode. Maybe you should spend a little less time with the women on your arms and a little bit more with your career. I ain't saying I'm the best, but I should be in the top ten. Give me a list of names. I'm a top them. I'm just playing with you. I don't care what the top is. Leave me at the bottom. Let me work for it. You ain't never gonna find another rebel in the game and tell me that he works more. Tell me that he works more. Nah. You might see me with my hoodie up. I ain't leaving till I finish. This industry.